0: Ronan, how are you keeping? Very good, Alan. How are you? Not too bad, not too bad. Long time no see. I know, I not. Good to um, see you. So what, uh, what have you been up to the last few weeks and months? Uh, the last few weeks and months have been work-wise. Um,
1: so working in the prison once a week in Mountjoy Prison, uh, running self-development programs. So I run a program called The Circle, um so that takes up one day a week and then apart from that working with sports and corporate teams mm-hmm. so um billing, uh working as a team performance coach yeah.
0: which i'm sure you can get into yeah so i suppose touch on that briefly The how would you describe your your work in say a sentence in two sentences
1: mm, oh it's very hard i i've been i've been doing this work for a few years now and it's the quest is to actually distill it down to a word or a sentence it's mm. I'm still, still working on it but um essentially i help teams work better together um there is many different performance coaches and different specialists and practitioners that work with teams but my area would be built around uh building connection so building interpersonal connection amongst teammates for the team to build a connection with their shared purpose and uh yeah. Creating that like
0: healthy environment where they can all operate as best possible. That was not one well, sentence, but I tried. <laughs> <laughs> just over, just over. And this was, you, you mentioned there sport. And I know you have a history of sport and I'm curious about the sort of the intersection between sport and your career. So like, how, how was your background in sports influenced that, um, idea of connection and high performance, I suppose.
1: Yeah. Um, so yeah, for, for people who are listening, my background in sport would have been since I was around four or five playing hurling and football and soccer. But like as the years went on, I focused on hurling and, um, I was lucky enough to play for my club, Bishopstown and Cork and played for Cork as well, all the way up from underage to senior. Um, didn't have much time playing senior, but definitely, uh, I suppose I had enough time playing hurling to actually understand what a healthy environment looks like and feels like and sounds like and also what unhealthy environments feel like. Mm. Uh also so, um how has it impacted me and my path? Like definitely I've always really enjoyed group dynamics. I've really enjoyed and been fascinated by how people show up in groups, including mm. myself. Um when people engage, when people disengage, when people are inspired, when they're not inspired, um, when it feels right and when it doesn't feel right. So it's, um, that's always, I suppose playing hurling gave me that insight, being, being involved in different teams. Um, also like, hmm, I'm competitive. I like, I like, uh, getting the most out of myself and helping people get the most out of themselves. So that's definitely transferred
0: into my work yeah and like i I suppose leaning on from that how did the um how did that um quest to help people get the best out of themselves how did that um turn into a career and what was the sort of the the path there um
1: yeah so i was working in i qualified in business after uh, in college and i felt like i was going down the wrong path didn't know Mm. how to Get off that path. Um, I was really lucky that a friend of mine, like I was completely lost. By the way, I was completely lost. Like, and I was like, "Where am I going?" Like, you know, quite in some ways, just like losing
0: a bit of hope that I could actually find the right path again. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's I was mid twenties, like, is it exactly? Or, yeah,
1: like yeah. 23 to 25, 26 Yeah, and uh, like in look. Like, it's all relative. I was very lucky to have an education, but I also was like, I really feel I want to use my skills and I didn't think I was. So I was invited by a friend up to the opening of the SOAR Foundation um, in Dublin. So I got the bus from Cork up to Dublin and I went along to this opening of a youth charity called SOAR. And they were just opening their doors and they were looking for new facilitators to run uh, emotional intelligence workshops with teenagers. And it was completely not my area. I didn't have a psychology background, but I said, you know, I'll come along and participate. Long story short, I took part in a two-hour conversation where I was a participant, and it was very meaningful and quite profound, to be honest. It really blew my mind that night, and I left almost dizzy, uh, thinking, what the hell? Was I just a part of there? I'd never experienced that level of vulnerability or realness with a group of strangers in my life, so... Uh I said, look, whatever happened there, I want to be part of this. So I quit my job in Cork and I started studying psychology at night in Dublin. And at the same time I started working voluntarily for SOAR and just started learning how to facilitate, learning about the craft of how to build psychological safety and you know, help people explore their inner worlds and understand each other better and I never had like a dream of you know helping people unlock their potential like when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. It was actually like when I just experienced what can occur in a room. Then I was like, you know what? This is a meaningful day's work here, and yeah. you know if you can leave like a little imprint on somebody's day, it's like that's
0: that's priceless for me, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, and like
0: I I think. No, like personally and i suppose uh, everyone listening has has maybe not had uh, experience as profound as that but has been in a situation where someone has been vulnerable with them and or maybe a group situation and i don't think there's anything as meaningful and as powerful as that um mm. what why do you think and sort of in your in your <clears throat> career where have you seen the power of vulnerability and that sort of people Taking that risk, interpersonal risk. Yeah.
1: Um. Oh, look, I've seen it time and time and time again in this work. Um. So working with teenagers for eight years in schools. Um. Travelling around the country, going into transition years, uh, including your your class, we just discovered it before the call. Um. And. You know, look we could talk all day about this, but in, in, in summary, for me, I think day to day, when we interact with people in our groups or environments, be it work, be it your sports and be it your class in school, we tend to hover at surface level of conversation. Um, And sometimes if I ask teenagers, what's the surface level conversation that you'd usually have day to day? And they'll say, we talk about memes. We talk about,
2: Mm.
1: we talk about social media. We talk about nights out. We talk about relationships. We talk about slagging each other and that's all fine completely. I've been there and it's normal. (laughs) Like, but, um, there's a whole if you picture an iceberg and above the surface level, like beneath the surface level, there's a whole vast ocean of depth and Mm. within every person. And like within that depth, there's wisdom, there's knowledge, there's life experience, there's family experience, there's cultural experience. There's all these different pieces of gold that when they remain underneath the surface, they can actually go to waste. Mm. And, uh you know, I suppose an example would be, you know, there was a school that I did a workshop with down in Kilkenny around five years ago. There was 80 teenagers in the room, a lot of bullying going on, a lot of tension, people very nervous to be themselves. And to be honest, it wasn't a nice environment for people to come into every day. And an hour and a half into the workshop, myself and my is co facilitator, Cloda. we had started having a conversation with the teenagers about life and what was going on for them outside of school and you know many of them put up their hands for having parents who were uh, separated, a lot of them put up their hands for um moving school, moving country, uh being bullied, uh feeling left out. Feeling anxious, feeling low, uh, feeling socially anxious coming to school. Now it's not as blunt as that when it happens in the conversation, it's just but these were the themes that were coming out and like yeah. um you know, one of the girls stood up at the end and she said, like, you know, uh, there's many times I wanted to run away and actually not come back to this school and today, realizing that everyone else has their own inner world going on, I'm not the only person here to have stresses and worries. Um she, you know, people, there was 80 girls in the room who moved to tears and it wasn't out of sadness. It was actually out of relief that they could finally be themselves. Mm. One example of hundreds I could give, but, um, you know, I think once you take a risk in your group and you show people what is beneath the surface, when it's safe to do so, mm. it can be incredibly healing for a group, mm. incredibly cathartic for people and it can be. It can create an incredible sense of belonging in an environment where people are buzzing to come to school every day. And yeah. like, you can, you can take that example and you can transfer it to different environments if you want. It's that's just with schools, but it translates
0: to other environments also. Yeah, and like I think, it's like looking at teenagers now, and there's a lot of pressures that mightn't have been there even when I was in school, which is not too long ago, but the, I suppose the pressures of social media have only intensified and there's been, you know, different sort of things, um, happening, but like those sort of, um, um events where someone can actually be themselves might be, um, a good catalyst for someone to say, oh, maybe how I, how I'm interacting online or how I'm doing things online or it might make them question sort of other activities that might, that they might be doing and question other things, which I think in school, it's not really um, promoted to look within, to to sort of look with it, look around.
1: Yeah. Yeah. True point. Like, and like, you know, social media definitely plays a positive role in many ways in terms of like, You know, in some ways you do feel connected to people and like all of the pings that are coming on the phone, they definitely activate a certain part of our brain where it feels like we're connected to people. And it's true and it's valid, but the difference between that and maybe doing it in a group setting face-to-face, it's like, you know, we're relational creatures and it's part of our DNA. You know, we're not, we haven't evolved to be interacting on screens necessarily, but you can't beat the the connection that you feel in a room when you can feel someone breathing next to you and, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, you can see the facial expressions, I suppose, a bit, a bit more in HD than you would on a screen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned there as well, you sort of, you worked with, the, you work with uh, high performance teams and, and prisoners as well as, uh, in schools. What sort of commonalities do you see between all of them when you're working with the different groups?
1: Um, commonalities that you'd see between teens and prison and teenagers.
0: Yeah. And sort of the different dynamics.
1: Um, so, so fundamentally what it would come down to for me is people's need and desire to feel safe in their environment. Mm. Is probably one of the core elements that I see across all areas. Okay. So there's like every group that you go into, we have a radar, an inbuilt radar within us that we gauge are we safe to be ourselves fully?
2: Mm.
1: Or do we need to tone ourselves down so that we, uh, you know, don't put ourselves out there and we won't risk humiliation or judgment or rep- being recommended. So like, what I notice is every group has a varying level of safety. And uh the ones that have a high level of safety, yet a high level, high performance sports team, boardroom, teenagers are in a prison. The ones that have high levels of
2: safety are are the ones
1: that people feel physically relaxed in. Their bodies are relaxed. Their nervous system is regulated. They're more emotionally well. They're more mentally calm. Uh, also when there's high level of safety, there is more, like it's more, uh, lending to higher collaboration so the ones that are more safe there'll be more collaboration and people cooperating with each other and digging in for each other Mm. there's no safety people shut down they clam up um, they keep to themselves they're more worried about their the dynamic do i belong here Mm. less focus on the task at hand so like that's one thing the varying levels of safety and um yeah, like I suppose it's it's mad because like I I worked with like some you know top athletes that I've watched on TV for years and maybe thought like wow they're like superhuman. Then I've you know met some criminals in in prison, people who are locked up, and and the thing that struck me is like that, no matter who you are, what age you are, what you've experienced, what your area is, is that like we all have a young. Younger part of us inside of us, like, uh, some people call it an inner child, but you know, I just call it the younger self. Mm. And like, you know, that younger part of us wants to feel connected and wants to feel relaxed and wants to feel, you know, safe again. And, you know, and we can wrap these different layers of personalities around or layers of personality and protection around us sometimes. Um but like in these workshops when you peel back the layers, time and time again you can just see that younger self that really just wants to feel loved and connected. That's a yeah, yeah.
0: like common strand all the time. And I suppose that's that's the, the great equalizer of of being human. It is when you go back we, we just do want to be connected and yeah. be part of the tribe. Um yeah. and no matter how advanced a society might come become or um how advanced we might feel or seem and um, that is the the core of what it is to be human it is indeed so i suppose how and I, I think this is really um really relevant for for the 15 minute coffee idea but how could i or how could oh. anyone create that safe space within say over a coffee within um just a, a day-to-day situation or dynamic how can we bring that into from that maybe a uh, workshop session how can we bring that in in a different way to our own day-to-day relationships yeah good question um for me
1: a lot of it comes down to being present with the other person um or people so i find when like when you're truly present with people in your environment and you're not thinking about what you did earlier last week or what you have to do later on, like when we're that distracted and not present, people check out and they go mm-hmm. into themselves and they start second guessing themselves. But like when you're truly present with somebody, they notice and that really builds a connection. You don't even have to say anything sometimes. It's actually just really listening, breathing into the person, you know, yeah. taking a breath. I'm actually taking in the person who's right in front of you, that's first. And then a big, you know, if you're working with a team, for example, and you're leading a team, I think letting them in and showing them who you are. No, I don't mean like, I don't mean like you have to tell them everything about yourself or your past or your deepest, darkest secrets, but I'm just saying, let them in a little bit, mm. like show them the person is beyond the worker um, or the manager. Um, you know, because if you tell somebody that like, you know, oh, I, I have to walk my dog this morning or to drop my kids to school or, you know, my granny was visiting, like everyone can connect with those snippets of stories. And you might think they're small, but they're actually quite like significant because birds of a feather flock together. Like, so if we see similarity, we'll be, we'll connect with that. So let people in. You know, and that you said interpersonal risks earlier. That's what it is. It's like you're taking a little risk to uh mm-hmm. you know get out of your comfort zone a little bit and just, you know, you know, uh, share something a bit a bit more meaningful. Yeah. Uh, letting people know what your intentions are. So if you're telling people that they you you want them to do a project or um uh, there's a new uh task that you're giving your team, instead of just lumping it to them and saying, Here, look, that's that's for you to do. You know, really let them know why you're giving them this pe- body of work, uh, why it would, uh, why it would do well for the organization, why, how it will benefit them. Because like when people don't understand what your intention is, they can make up their own stories. So I think it's, uh, let people know what your intention is and, uh, that will dispel any,
0: uh,
1: maljudgment,
0: I suppose. Yeah. yeah. I suppose it, it comes back to. It's- communicating your, your your true intention to yourself and mm. the saying of like the biggest myth about communication is that it even happens in the first place and <laughs> so much can be said without even saying anything or without saying it directly it's just small things like that which seem simple but make a big difference exactly man exactly um yeah yeah
2: yeah
0: um so i suppose that's that's uh i'll let you go on it i think we're we're hitting 50 minute mark so uh, i don't want to hold you too long
2: yeah perfect
0: but, um, um thanks a million for giving your time and um if if people want to find find what you're doing and and where to find you where where, where would you send them
1: um yeah RonanConway.e is my website and then you can find me on linkedin as well but um yeah just want to say a fair play to you it's been really nice to meet you when we've met and uh keep up the good work, this is a cool podcast and um thank you for the invite.
0: Thank you very much.
2: Yeah. Nice
1: Nicer. cheers Aaron.